Hey, Geeks Radio listeners, all these years you've listened to the Totally Super podcast, the Trek Off podcast, the Pop Off podcast, and wondered, hey, is there a way I can get my message out there on these podcasts? Well, finally, there is. You see, we're making a brand new movie called Cancellation. The plot of the movie is this. What happens when your stereotypical sitcom girlfriend realizes that she's just a character on a sitcom and that sitcom is coming to an end, which means she's going to cease to exist? Can she convince her friends to help her fight against the show just so they can all survive? Well, that's the question of the movie. And you can help us make it by going to Kickstarter and donating to the movie. You can get there easily. Just go to getcanceled.com. That's getcanceled.com. Now, Kickstarter always has rewards. And one of the rewards on there, along with the other millions of awesome things you can get, actually allows you to get a message out on Trek Off or Totally Super. That's right. You get the reward. You're going to get a DVD with it and a poster, digital downloads of a bunch of stuff you can't get anywhere else, and a chance to get your message heard on Trek Off or Totally Super. Now, there are other rewards. Go check it out. It's going to be an awesome movie and we really, really need your help. So I'm asking you, as someone who's listened to our podcasts, to please help us make Cancellation the motion picture. Okay, on to the show. The following contains plot spoilers and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. In a universe with billions of separate dimensions, there are an infinite number of people doing podcasts on superheroes. And out of all of that infinite number, you're listening to this one. This is Totally Super. Welcome to Totally Super, where we remove, re, where we remove, where we review every superhero movie ever made. My name is Justin. Uh, Arthur, and that's we review every superhero ever made in, in this reality. In this reality, yes. There are other realities yeah. that where we can't review those superhero movies because they're not available to us. Yeah, um, who knows? Maybe out there there's a, uh, there's a superhero, <laughs> there's a superhero reality out there where DC makes tons of great films and Marvel has never made a hit. But hey, let's go over this one last time. Um, welcome to Totally Super. <laughs> um, and today we're taking a break. Uh, this was not planned. This movie, uh, uh, we have been terrible about our initial plan to do weekend of, of release uh, movies. We, when we started out, we did Avengers. You know, certainly from a you know to let you peer behind the curtains, uh, our like our numbers in terms of how many people listen increase when we do a a, a night of release podcast so that's like really important for us to do but we you know it's christmas time things get busy things get tough Mm -hmm. and so we wanted to be able to record at kind of our own pace um and this movie is you know it's a silly little animated film that it looked cool but who expected anything from sony doing something separate from marvel about spider-man they just put out venom like literally like three months ago and we ignored it we pretended it didn't exist and this is just another cash grab by sony right so who why would we build it into our schedule let's get ready for the real big release uh in a couple of weeks glass by doing unbreakable and doing split (laughs) and then because we know that all of you listeners out there in totally superland are waiting with bated breath for the next m night Shyamalan film yes well i mean and you know, Aquaman, we probably should have done. Like, in in truth, if we really wanted to, like, keep our finger on the pulse, we should have done Aquaman. I think we're going to be back on the pulse when it comes to, like, the upcoming Marvel movies this year. Um, but 
it's Christmas time, and and frankly, this is a, a ninety million dollar animated Spider Man movie. There's tons of animated Marvel movies that we could review. They come out like every three weeks, and the DC animated movies are actually like some of them are legit good. Um, yeah. But we don't reco- we don't cover those at all, or at least we haven't covered those yet. So why in the world would we care about doing a Spider Man cartoon? Like who cares? And then I saw it. I went out and saw it. And I literally was on the way home texting Arthur, Arthur, you have to go. You have to go see this yeah. movie. You have to go see this movie right now. Um, and so I I will start. Well, let me ask you and then I'll tell you what. What uh, What was your impression when I texted you? I say, hey, that cartoon, go see the cartoon Spider-Man in the middle of well, Christmas you were not time. The first, you were not the first source to uh, to tell me, no, no, this movie really is that good. You should go see it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people on on the Facebook who are saying, oh, my gosh, this movie. Um, yeah. And the both critical and popular response has been astronomically high for it. Uh, so I knew it was something I was probably going to get to see in that. But then when you said, OK, this is the next one for us to review, I, re- you know, I was like, yeah, no, you're totally right. So I should go see it, too, uh, which I did um, this past Saturday. Uh, Kelly, my wife, was working. Uh, so I was like, okay, cool. I'll just pop down to the local movie theater and see it. And this film did something incredible for me, which is that within the first 10 minutes, I found myself in a bad mood and it had nothing to do with the film and everything to do with the fact that it had been a rough day, uh, leading up to that point. Then I sat down and, and you've heard me say before, so much of your enjoyment of a film is subconsciously based on the place that you mentally are in when you see that film. Um, and then the, uh, I'm pretty sure the the projector had something off with it because there was weird, uh, focus issues, uh, especially at the beginning of the film. And I, Justin, you remember I even texted you. I was just like, um, was this, did you, did you notice this? And that because animation wise, this film is doing all sorts of weird, super cool stuff. And I couldn't tell if it's like, okay, is this just a factor of the animation that they're doing or is it a problem with the projector? And anyway, that put me in a weird headspace. But by the end of the film, I was so completely on board. I was so completely swept away. I was just, I, I was in a place of childlike delight. And uh, for a film to overcome a bad mood, uh, which uh, speaking as uh, somebody who occasionally deals with depression. Frequently, the best way of handling the bad mood is just like just waiting for it to go away. It's not something where it's just like, oh, I'll just go do this thing and it'll make me and it'll, you know, it'll actively put me in a better mood. That doesn't happen often. This movie did that. Uh, So I was I walked away, not just uh, delighted by the movie itself, but very impressed at how much it managed to uplift me. I have, as I've mentioned before, a seven year old son. Um, and I was looking for my, I had a bunch of people in my house. I had like nine people staying in my house for Christmas time and they were all out shopping and I was going to take my uh, 12 year old son. He's like, I don't want to go see an animated film. Can't we go see something else? I was like, no. And he's like, well, I'm just going to stay home. I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) Um, and he's like, yep. And I was like, okay. So I took my seven year old son again, by the time I went, (laughs) by, by the time I went, I had heard that it was this good, but you know, you hear a lot of movies are this good, right? Like it's, it's, we're in a, like, I don't want to say we're in a golden age of film, but we're, we're at a, at a period of time where 
they have largely learned how to do it right. Um, even movies yeah. like like what I've read about Venom, you know, even Justice League, I'll, I'll be on board as saying, you know, it's a really, really bad movie in some ways. But if you'd shown it to me 20 years ago, I would have been over the moon. Oh, my God. That's gosh, a good this point. Is what the- yeah. Even the even the worst superhero films nowadays are light years better than what they were like 20, 25 years ago. My buddy Daniel Ross went to go see Aquaman and texted me, hey, have you seen Wet Thor yet? Um, it's just <laughs> like like they just kind of know they know how to do it now. And and that goes for a lot of movies that come out. I just feel like the the people go that nothing good's coming out anymore. And I think that the highest of the highs are maybe not being I had this conversation the other day when it comes to movies coming out these days. But the highest of the high is maybe not being reached all the time because nobody's swinging for the fences because everybody has learned how to hit a double or a triple. To use Ooh, the that's sports a nice, metaphor. nice way of looking at um, it. Yeah. Whereas, if you go back to 1994, you know there's there's a lot of swinging for the fences. There's a ton of crappy misses, but then you get your Pulp Fictions and your Shawshank Redemptions, right? Mm-hmm. Because people are trying out their new things, and now the out there new things are commonplace. So when Quentin Tarantino puts out an amazing Quentin Tarantino film, it's just it's amazing. But it's we're used to Quentin Tarantino doing that, so it's, it's like it's yeah. So so I largely can ignore. Oh, there's a good movie out. I just looked at the top like horror movies of 2018, and I haven't seen any of them, and they all have like 90 percent reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Since when did did horror movies get 90 percent? Much less 10 of them this year get 90 percent right. on Rotten Tomatoes. When does that happen? When did a Halloween movie become awesome? When did that happen? So. So I think that that it becomes even easy for me to ignore reviews because now I'd like, yeah, of course it sounds good. They're all pretty good now. So I had heard it was good and I had heard some people going, it's the best movie ever. And again, you know, and that's always so dangerous to me because somebody starts saying that you can't help but have your expectations set Um, for me. I, I, I would much rather walk into a film with no idea of whether it's any good or not and then be just amazingly surprised by it as opposed to, oh, my gosh, you have to go see this film. Uh, well, like which again, Incredibles another, 2. I was, yeah. was going to say Incredibles 2 did, you know, did really well and it got really good reviews and I saw it and I really, really liked it when I saw it and I forgot it like four days later. Yeah. So it was absolutely one of those movies that was like, oh, that was super fun. It was fine. Like. Our our level for fine is way higher Hate than that it word. Was ten years Hate ago. Hate that word. I know you do. I know you do. That's why I, I used it. I know. I know. It's terrible. Um. Uh. So so when I hear that this is such a great movie, the best movie ever, I'm like, okay, yeah. But they've said that about a bunch of movies this year, and so I'm sure it's very good. Um. But I don't need to go see a cartoon. But my son wanted to go see it, so I went to see it. I I cannot tell you how surprised I was by this film. And I'd seen the trailers and clearly they were doing something different with the animation. I was like, okay, so they're going to do something different with the animation. That's neat. Mm -hmm. But you know, who cares? (laughs) It's like, I've seen animations, animation. Um, I was not prepared by how much, I mean, I, I saw this movie, I guess almost eight, eight or nine days ago now. And I, I can't tell you how much this movie has still been on my mind. This is such, I mean, I mean, Stop listening right now, folks. 
if you haven't seen the movie. If you're if you do what I do, so I I listen to movie review podcasts, and there's some where a movie comes out, like when The Predator came out. I kind of want to see The Predator, but I I might not, and you know I do need I do have an hour to blow, so I'll I'll just listen to the podcast, and you know maybe I'll go see the movie. Let me say right now, stop right now, and go see this movie, and yeah. come back. And yeah, I agree to the with show. that one. Yeah, it's it's you want here. Let's you you want you want our end. Let's do it backwards. Uh, we'll do it right now. On a scale of one to five different parallel universes, what would you give Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? And we won't explain why. Uh, I got to say, I remember finishing the film and I think even looking back, th- this one gets a five from me straight yeah. up. Yeah. Yep. Five for me as well. I, I don't know that I enjoyed it more than Avengers Infinity War. So I like just on how much I enjoyed it, I might give. Oh, it gets a, a five for different reasons for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I might maybe enjoyed it like a four, four and a half. But for all the things we're about to talk about, its ambition, both visually and culturally, um, yeah, it's it's a five. Go see it. Yeah, and, I mean the, the lowest you could the lowest you could possibly convince me to get to is four point seven five. Yeah, it's it's yeah five. I mean, what do you need to do to get a five? If this movie's not a five, we will never have a five. Yeah, that's just how it is. Like there's no there there isn't a movie that's going to be more deserving of a five in this film. So we've said it. Go see the film. Stop listening to the podcast and come back. Now, for those of you who've seen the film, welcome. And, and let's talk. Oh, we lied. Doesn't the film suck? It's a two. Oh, can't yeah. believe we tricked yeah, everybody just, into we, that. So we, we, drove, we drove everyone else away except those of you who saw it and you're all in the know. What a what a Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, no. It's unbelievably great. Um, uh, I guess uh, the best place to start, although it certainly doesn't do justice to what makes the film great but uh sir do you have a plot summary all right here we have the spider-verse plot summary wait no sorry that's the that was the batman hey, let's, get, uh, let, let's let's go over this one last time time let's go over this one last time we open on a voiceover of Peter Parker doing a quick, this is who I am, in which he pretty much explains the whole Spider-Man deal and indicates that he's been doing it for long enough that he's become something a celebrity, something of a celebrity. The flashback montage ends and our scene opens not on Peter Parker, however, but on one Miles Morales, a Brooklyn teenager who is starting his first day at a prestigious private academy, which he got into thanks to his apparent smarts. He is not looking forward to it, despite the pride of his mother and his adorably love-smothering cop father. Miles clearly has something of a wild streak, which is evidenced in him tagging much of the city's urban landscape with his stickers, which is apparently, at least according to me, a 39-year-old suburban male, some kind of newfangled approach to graffiti that the young kids are doing nowadays. After a rough first day at the new school, he visits his uncle Aaron, someone who his father has indicated has a good heart but is a bad influence. Aaron takes him to a forgotten room within the New York subway tunnels where he can work on a new tagging masterpiece. But it is here that a spider drops on Miles' hand and bites him, no doubt infusing him with all sorts of spider powers, because that is, of course, how these things go. What follows is the usual amusing progression of, oh my god, what's happening to me? These strange powers are getting me into comically awkward situations, scenes, that we know and love. Miles' bad day of self-discovery takes him back to the subway tunnels, where he discovers an underground lab with none other than Peter Parker, the actual Spider-Man, fighting to stop the Kingpin, who is desperate to recover his dead wife and son from starting up a collider that will apparently merge dimensions. Best case scenario, he gets an alternate version of his wife and son back. More likely scenario, black hole opens under New York City. 
Barker's spider sense recognizes a fellow spider-powered being, and he indicates a willingness to help Miles realize his potential until, oh no, the collider starts up, plunging Peter very briefly into the multiverse and leaving him mortally wounded. Miles escapes just as Kingpin delivers the killing blow to poor Peter. Dun dun dun. Miles tries to carry out Peter's final wish of destroying the Collider once and for all, but his total lack of control of his abilities proves to be a challenge that he cannot overcome, even with the help of the cheap Spidey suit that he bought from Oh My God, It's Cartoon Stan Lee as a Costume Shop Salesman Hitting Me Right in the Fields. But Miles is then approached by, what's this, a man named Peter B. Parker, who apparently is a Spider-Man from an alternate dimension, one where washed-up Peter B. has a way more depressing backstory. The Collider brought him into this dimension, but it's clear if he stays too long in a universe he's not meant to be in, his molecular integrity will disintegrate. They team up to break into the Kingpin's lab, where they are confronted by Dr. Olivia Octavius, a female Doc Ock, what a twist, who has them on the ropes until they are rescued by, what's this, another spider person? It's Spider Gwen, an appearance of a beloved fan favorite that would have had me squeeing at the top of my lungs in astonished delight had the poster right outside of the movie theater not already freaking given away that Spider-Gwen was in this film. Gwen leads them to the house of this dimension's now-dead Peter Parker, where they discover a spider cave that would make Bruce Wayne jealous, and also learn that Aunt May makes a really cool version of Alfred. There, they also meet a film noir Spider-Man, an anime Spider-Girl, and a Looney Tunes-esque Spider-Pig, and I know how that sounds, but the way they handle all of them is actually really cool, trust me. The group tries to teach Miles to control his power, but feeling too much pressure, Miles retreats to his Uncle Aaron's place, only to learn that his uncle is in fact a super minion of Kingpin's named the Prowler. The Prowler follows Miles back to Parker's house, where a big spider battle ensues, during which Aaron learns Miles' identity, chooses to spare his nephew, and is rewarded for his good deed by being shot by Kingpin. Oh, hey, Miles has his beloved uncle die. I, I Oh, I see what they're doing here. Again, trust me, totally works. The spider group, uh, not trusting Miles' ability to control his powers, leaves him behind on their final mission to destroy the Collider. But Miles, inspired by his uncle's death, his father's love, and appropriate narrative timing, finds control of his powers and rushes to join them. The film's climax is Miles and the Spider Team fighting Kingpin and his minions. The Spider Team all get back to their appropriate dimensions, and Miles has a titanic, victorious battle with the Kingpin himself. When the smoke clears, all is right with all the dimensions, the Collider is destroyed, and Brooklyn has a whole new Spider-Man more than ready for the job. Plus a few little uh, scattered indications of, oh, we might do a sequel, and here's where it might be going. Essentially, we end with Miles as the new Spider-Man, Fiend. Very good. That's amazing. Uh, I'm so glad that you do these because you do these better than my umming and aahing through trying to guess. Uh, <laughs> so let, let's talk real quickly about something called the Ultimates Universe from Marvel. Um, essentially, it was decided uh, right around 2000 that Marvel Comics should uh, create a secondary universe uh, that would take its classic characters and redefine them, rebrand them, and recreate them in a more modern way. I mean, let's face it. The X-Men came out in the 60s. It's always been a real question. How old is Magneto? Because when they came out in the 60s, Magneto was a man and who lost his wife in the Holocaust. Uh, and then he became a child. And then he aged up, aged down. He would be right now, if 
he would be over a hundred years old right now if that's if that was the case. So somehow Easily. they needed to take everything and put it into uh, modern times. The most notable takeaway from the Ultimate Universe up to this point is that Nick Fury, a very white man with Reed Richards sideburns uh, and an eye patch. Basically, he looks like Reed Richards with an eye patch. Has been Nick Fury since he was Sergeant Fury in his Howling Commandos in like the. 40s and 50s and that was Nick Fury but when they did the ultimate universe they branded him to look exactly like Samuel L. Jackson then casting Samuel L. Jackson to play the role when the MCU existed and that is pretty much all that is left of the Mar- of the ultimate universe when it comes to Marvel with the exception of one Miles Morales the ultimate universe uh, when the it started out and it had ultimate Avengers it had ultimate X-Men it had ultimate Spider-Man it had um all these different characters. And in the Ultimate Spider-Man book, uh, Peter Parker does die and Miles Morales does take over. At the end, they destroyed the Ultimate Marvel uh, universe. There was a Secret Secret Wars event in the Marvel universe that put both the universes together. They fought side by side. And at the end, the ultimate universe was destroyed. I think that's got to be. Uh, imagine if you were if you were the big fan of the ultimate universe because it's over. Those characters are gone. Like you don't see them again. And I assume I'd never read it, but I assume some of them died. Uh, so, so the only person who remained is that after Secret Wars, Miles Morales crossed over from this secondary universe, the Ultimates universe, into the what we call the Earth Six One Six, which is the Marvel universe. And now in New York City, there's both Peter Parker and Miles Morales as Spider-Man with their own Spider-Man books right now um, that you can buy in comic book stores. But that's all that's left of the of the Ultimates universe is essentially Miles Morales. Um, which was uh, pretty much, uh, with a very few exceptions, what you see on screen in terms of his creation. There was a while um, uh, the the original Ultimate Spider-Man was Peter Parker for a long time. It was a big deal that they that they killed him off when Brian Bendis killed him. Yeah, off. Uh, it's it's uh, funny that you mentioned that because uh, so I started reading Ultimate Spider-Man over the summer. Uh, sort of fell away from it, saw it into the Spider Verse. Uh, and then I was like, I got to get back and keep reading Ultimate Spider-Man because for the re- actually for anybody who, um, if you are interested in reading like quote unquote origin stories or getting back to basics with superheroes, but don't want to have to deal with a the the writing style of the '60s, which let's be honest, comic writing has evolved a lot from them. The Ultimate Universe is a really great way of doing that. Like, and the Ultimate Spider-Man so- series is tremendous. You you really do get Peter Parker and all of his gang of friends. You get all of the themes that Spider-Man is best at encapsulating, but you get it from the beginning, except I think the first one came out like early 2000s. So you it's with a very modern art style and, uh, and writing style that's much more accessible to uh, people. So I still would recommend if anybody's looking to get in on the ground floor of reading comics, like through Marvel Unlimited uh, and other subscription services, Mar- the Ultimate Series is a great way to do it. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that I'm still 30 issues away from finishing the Ultimate Spider-Man saga, and now I know how it finishes. Thank you so much, Justin. Uh, uh, but, but here's the thing, my friend. <laughs> it doesn't finish. And that's that's an enormous thing. The Ultimate Universe is not the first alternate universe that Marvel's ever done. I remember in the 80s, I read comics from something called the New Universe. And it was totally new characters, totally new teams, and the Marvel teams that we knew of didn't exist. And it was... Um, it was. I liked it. There was a 
book called Cyforce that I liked very much. A lot of people hate it, and it didn't do that well. And I, granted, I was 10 when I was reading it, so maybe I would think differently nowadays. Um, but the... Uh, and I guess I can read it because guess what? I got the Marvel Ultimates app as a Christmas present, which I'm so excited about. I've read Merry so much Christmas. Um, the, the, the Spider-Man story doesn't end. And think about it. They had, a, they had an entire universe. They had so many books, so many characters. Only one jumps to the Marvel 616. Do you know how important a character has to be when they annihilate an entire universe because sales aren't there, but they want this guy to remain a part of of the of the regular universe and give him his own book and to call that book Spider-Man to take your most famous imprint the imprint that means the absolute most over the course of history it's just called Spider-Man it's not called Ultimate Spider-Man it's not called Spider-Man it's Spider-Man and you have these two books it's and and it is it, it is you're splitting your brand in half your most important brand and you're including Miles Morales in that That's that a good shows point. the importance that shows the importance and the gravity of this character, um, both culturally and within the, the Marvel Universe. And let's talk for a moment about something we've talked about before, inclusion. Um, let's face it, guys. Uh, the, there's a lot of white in the Marvel Universe that, because most yeah. of it was created in the 60s. And people you really jumped out. Go ahead. What jumped out at me from this film, that this pairs in very well with that. I remember watching it about halfway through. I realized with delight this film was not made for me. And let me explain by what I mean by that. Like, for the most part, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yes, of course, it's made to be appealing to, you know, younger kids and everything like that. But they knew going into it that the demographic that would absolutely make the Marvel Cinematic Universe work is people like you and me, people who grew up with these superheroes, people who have been waiting for 20, 30 years for good film versions of these characters that we knew and loved as kids. Um, the, I don't think it is too much of a, str I mean, the, the males between 25 and 45, while certainly not the only demographic that, uh, MCU is targeting, um, are a pretty, at least currently a pretty large, um, a large percentage of that. Uh, this film was its primary target was decidedly younger, uh, younger superhero fans. Now, I enjoyed the heck out of this film. It's not like this film excluded me from it. But I mean, shoot, you listen to the soundtrack, which is um, you know, which is a lot of uh hip hop, which is not a genre that I am really that into or familiar with, but I still ended up really enjoying the soundtrack. Um there's so much I mean this this film really captures New York City today. Um and to the extent that I can accurately assess this being a 39 year old male, I feel like it really does a much better job of capturing the actual life of a high schooler today than a lot of the other comics or movies that I've seen. Um, and I, I loved that fact. It was so many Marvel films have been written for, well, middle-aged white guys like me. And this one was not, although it certainly didn't exclude me from enjoying the process. Um, I think that there is something to be said to start with with the, the success of Black Panther. Now, in the United States, uh, the number one Marvel movie is Avengers Infinity War. Um, but worldwide, it's Black Panther, guys. Um, or, or other way around. Maybe it's the other way. Maybe the United States. In either case, um, Black Panther and, but, is either number one or number two 
Uh, and before in, Infinity War, Black Panther was the highest nationally and globally, right? And they had never appealed to that demographic um, in in such a forward way before. And we have grown up seeing ourselves. Superman looks like me. Batman also like me because I have so many abs. Um, you know, Spider-Man. Yeah, that's that's what it was like being me. Tony Stark. Be cool to be him one day. Wolverine, a short, hairy version of me. Um, and I'm not saying there weren't uh, people of color. There, especially the X-Men is very good of, at, at, at including, multi, especially when the X-Men rebranded. You had Jewish characters, black characters, Asian characters, yeah. Native American characters. When you look at giant size X-Men number one from the 60s, it was deliberately on purpose inclusive of many races but that made it weird right that was the that was uncanny it was the they mm -hmm. called them the strangest superheroes of all that was the x-men because look at all these weird cultures that are all together um so there is i've seen myself represented in the superhero universe quite a lot um they're starting to realize that other people might like to see themselves represented up there too. And the problem with that is that you're going to get pushback. You know, you couldn't just make Peter Parker black. You couldn't just do yeah. that because the Peter Parker character is so much wrapped up around, uh, around pretty much that 1960s origin. I frankly don't think you could do like, it's great that Tom Holland is, is doing such a great job and I don't want to take anything away from Spider-Man homecoming. I love it. I love Spider-Man homecoming, but the only way you could make it work is to make it a 1980s John Hughes movie. It's the only way you could make that movie work because yeah, that yeah. movie is, I don't think accurately represents what high schools were actually like today. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, 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 that's, that's this idealized version of a super sciencey high school that he goes to that it's, it's, it's fiction. Um, I love that we're seeing inclusiveness in, in the movies. It's bizarre to me that, that there've been so many female characters in, in comics and we're getting like just Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel are just happening now after all mm -hmm. this time is crazy. I tell you, um, it makes me think, I was just talking with Kelly a couple of days ago. We were talking about, uh. Uh, Wonder Woman. Um, and uh, I think it was because we were watching the Captain Marvel trailer as well. And so we're sitting there on the couch and she's watching the trailer. Um, and she turns to me and literally says, now see, if there had been more movies like this when I was 10, I might know a lot more about what you're talking about now than I do. Essentially indicate, like she straight up, I mean, Kelly... Kelly has always been a geek by association with me. She enjoys the stuff, but she will fully admit she, ne I mean, she never even star saw star Wars until a few years ago. Um, the, you know, growing up, she had no association with any geek IPs at all, but she essentially just turned and was just like, yeah. And had there be been women in them, I might've been just as much of a geek as you by now. Like that's well, huge. That's that's and that's important, right? Because there are people out there um, who believe differently than I do that uh, that look at all the social justice warriors making a you know female Jedi in in the Star Wars and the Black Stormtrooper and that like I was uh, internally when I heard that there was a Black Stormtrooper, I railed against it in my head because I was like, they're all supposed to be clones of that New Zealand guy. Yeah, we, we want Kiwi stormtroopers and nothing else. <laughs> Nothing but Kiwi stormtroopers. Nothing they, but Kiwis you know, as far done. as the eye can see. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the movie dealt with it and was like, no, 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 no. Those clones were, were not even used after the Clone Wars is a different thing. Um, mm-hmm. But there are people who 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 said, look, why do we got to have all this? Why do, another women in this? It turns out that guess what? Corporations are not in the business of corporations are not in the business of pushing forward society. But we're in a capitalistic society. And it turns out that people of color, Asian people, women, people of different ethnicities, people of different religions, you know, they have money in their pocket. And gosh darn it, they would sure love to see themselves up on a screen so you can put out crazy rich Asians and suddenly it makes a ton of dough. And you put out this and it makes a ton of dough. And you put out Black Panther or Wonder Woman and they make a ton of dough and they're going, oh. So if we create a product in the marketplace for people who've yet to be able to see that product and have had to watch other people enjoy that. Like, like imagine if all you liked was sausage pizza and you were, wish you could have sausage pizza and you couldn't have pizza without sausage on it and everybody else enjoyed pizza and all they put was pepperoni on pizza. And then one day somebody puts out sausage pizza and makes it available to everyone who wants sausage pizza, that place is going to do booing business. And that's what's happening now. Is you're getting you're you're like the corporations are going oh so if we appeal to people who weren't appealed to before they're going to come out and go oh this is for me and guess what that does to the rest of us as a society I'm still going to see it because it's called Spider Man and so I have just seen a story that is different than mine and I have a slightly a a better glimpse into a a different world that I didn't know before. And that holds true for, you know, I haven't seen crazy rotations yet, but I want to see it because I, it, it, one, I hear it's good. And two, by seeing it, I like, like I have better understanding and it's, I'm, we're no longer saying as a society, Hey, everyone be like us, understand us. Now we're going, Hey, we can understand each other because it now makes financial sense to do so. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope this is not just like a trend that is going to be a phase. I hope that they realize that, oh, the more you include, the more you make it available emotionally to as many people as possible, the more people are going to buy tickets, guys. Yeah, I think we're and I think we're slowly moving in that. I, I think the spike that we're seeing now, it's going to level off a little bit, but we are the, the ball is rolling. Um, there was, I was talking with a, I forget who I was talking to a few weeks ago, but, you know, commenting that, you know, just like, and this movie certainly to me kind of elucidates the point that's like, I've seen the future and the future looks nothing like I do. And I'm actually really cool with that. Um, like I'm excited to see, and part of it too is, you know, Black Panther, I loved because there was an element of newness to it. Uh, it wasn't just that it had a black superhero, but they like delved hard into an African culture, which is an aspect of storytelling that I have not experienced that much. Um, because even in my fantasy, uh, books and movies that I've been reading, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Lord of the Rings, like love it, love it, love it. But that is about as decidedly Anglophilic as you can get with a fantasy story, um, I'm and deliberately so. so. I mean, Tolkien. Tolkien was yeah. deliberately writing mythology mm-hmm. for England. That's what he was yeah, deliberately so, doing. So, so that's the thing. Is on the one hand, um, you've got all these people who have never been represent, who, whose stories have never really been represented the way that they should. And on the other hand, you've got somebody like me who has really kind of had his fill of all the stories about people like me, and is actually really keen on seeing. 
the new takes on stuff. Um, oh, shoot. I remember that watching The Last Jedi, which, you know, maybe eventually we'll actually do a review on because that's a pretty big deal. Um, but watching um, Admiral, uh, was it Hodos? Holdo. Uh, or Holdo. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Admiral Hodor. Holdo and, <laughs> oh yeah, Hodor. <laughs> which, oh my gosh. You kind of, anyway, uh, watching Admiral Hodor and General uh, uh, Organa having that conversation and I was like, I have never in film seen a conversation between two military leaders and both of them female. And the quality of the conversation, the tone of it is different than if I was seeing it between two guys. And I love that because that makes it new, at least for me. Yeah. Well, and if it's new for you, think of what it's like for for little girls who you know, ten years ago, they would just have to go. Oh, military, military leadership. That's what boys do. That's nope. Yeah, no, military leadership is for the best qualified person, and that's not always mm-hmm. just the boys. Um, I mean, and it may so, uh, to to our listeners out there, it does. I'm realizing it may sound like we're we're hitting on a number of tried and true like diversity cliches and tropes right now, but it is because it it is sometimes the simplest truths are the most powerful, and and this and Spider-Verse really reawakened that sense for me. Um, yeah, well, we're saying we did... some, go ahead. No, you please. Oh, I was saying it's like, so yeah, we're saying some cliches about the importance of inclusion and people seeing themselves on screen, but that's because that it it's true. It's cliche because it's absolutely true and has been proven time and time again. I want to compliment this movie for managing to make Miles Morales Spider-Man, while in no way taking away from an interesting Peter Parker. Um, Absolutely. interesting Peter Parkers, by the way. The perfect mm-hmm. Peter Parker is really fun. I love the perfect Peter Parker. I love the Peter Parker with no problems. I love the super uber the Peter, pa- Peter The Peter Parker. Parker with a Christmas album? Yes, the, the, the Chris Pine Peter Parker. <laughs> I love... Chris Pine, Peter Parker, um, because that is there's an element to Spider-Man that has always been that it's like they separated out cool, awesome, swinging Spider-Man that I've read in a ton of comics and mm-hmm. depressed life is hard. Peter Parker that I've read in a ton of comics and like they've turned them into two different characters. So they essentially pulled a Xander like they did on in Buffy. Exactly. That's exactly what they did. Um, and you should watch Buffy if you haven't seen it, guys. It's honestly, this is the guy who got me into it now. Yeah. So um, they managed to, in the new Peter Parker that they created, bring in, believe it or not, another demographic that I have not seen in this universe very much. And that is the like the midlife crisis, like over 40 character i guess he's under 40 I guess he's supposed to be like 38 i think he said he's been doing 22 years and he did him in 16 so he's i mean like he's 38. clearly in the middle of midlife crisis yeah um that is a story i've also not seen like what happens when you've been a hero so long that it's rote and also life is kind of kind of sucks this is i absolutely believe that that part that that spider-man we're seeing i believe that's toby toby mcguire i, I absolutely yeah, believe i would that, love that, to and the thing is i would love to watch a film just of that peter parker in his universe 
Yeah, of him. I want to find out what happens next with him. But do you agree that like of all the Spider-Man we've seen, Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield, the Sp- Peter Parker we're seeing there, that's like Tobey Maguire's like Spider-Man. Like if that if this was Spider-Man twelve from the original Spider-Man trilogy, that's what would become of him. I absolutely believe. believe I I could yeah I could get behind that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally him. And he is you know I've not seen this before. A Spider-Man who's who's yeah he'll still do the right thing but he's just bored of it. He's just like it's it's mm-hmm. he's just this is too much. I just don't want to do it. I'm doing it because I gotta. Um, him with it with the beer gut on the gargoyle, you know, eating, you know, drinking his coffee and reading the paper because that's kind of all he's got. I've never seen mm-hmm. that before, and that's really yeah. interesting to me. Um, and the same thing for Gwen Stacy, right? When's the last time we saw Gwen Stacy? That was the second spy. Uh, that was the second uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what yeah. is Gwen Stacy? And here's for? the well, she, Gwen Stacy's kind of famous for getting killed off. Um, she's the first. Someone argue she's, she's famous for being. Fr- yeah, she. Well, she's not the first fridging. I mean, the the first fridging was actually uh, um, was DC. We, 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 the first fridging was some was a woman literally being fridged. Uh, but she certainly yeah. is a well, high the first example time was of called fridging. fridging. The first time was called fridging, but but Gwen Stacy happened back in the seventies. Oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. It's okay. Very, so it's she a very famous story. Yeah. And here's the thing with Spider Gwen. For those of you who have seen the film but might not know the history of Spider Gwen, which is really fascinating. Um, so a few years ago, they did Marvel did a crossover series. This was before Secret Wars, and they blew up all the universes. Called Into the Spider or called the Spider Verse, and the con- it was a different plot than this. But basically, it really did involve Spider people from all sorts of different uh, multiverses teaming up to fight against a single foe. Um, and as part of that crossover, they did a couple issues of um, like they aside from the the major spider men in the uh, in the plot, they also had a lot of just throw in random. Hey, let's do this side story stuff of, uh, you know, fun, quirky uh, character concept spider people, which you got in uh, in this film. Like that's where spider ham comes from. And yes, spider ham is a legitimate character that has had a decent amount of history in this. In yeah, I will. I, 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 I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to to contradict you, but spider ham. I remember Spider-Ham from the mid 1980s. Um yeah. when he would when he would appear like in the like a, a little cartoon in the back of of like your regular Spider-Man comic books mm-hmm. or in oh, um, yeah, Marvel no, Comics when, Presents. When Spider-Ham appeared a few years ago in the Spider-Verse crossover, it was a triumphant return. Um yes. but of the new minor characters that they introduced and like little spin-offs was a the universe of what if Gwen Stacy had been the one who became Spider-Man? And oh, the fans just fell in love with her. Um, and I think part of it was because it was, you know, to a certain extent, there's, you know, for all of us readers, we we constantly get this feeling that maybe Gwen Stacy kind of got a raw deal. Um, you know, it was, and she was a likable character, and uh, you know, Gwen was a likable character even before. You know, even if she didn't have spider powers, but just so, it was sort of not just seeing this return of a beloved character, but in a new way, um, the fans just went wild to the point that they now have a Spider Gwen title in the comics that like she was not intended to get her own series, but the fan response was just so high 
that uh, that they gave her one. And the fan response to that was so good that they now have an alternate Deadpool that is Gwen Stacy called Gwenpool, which is also just a delight. Like this is the decade of Gwen Stacy's return. Uh, well, in so and, many ways. and that's it's so important because she is the original fridged character. Um, the if you remember the so if you remember the end of Spider-Man one where Spider-Man has to to save a group of people or save Mary Jane and he like swings and he does both in mm-hmm. the comics. It's that, except it's it's with Gwen Stacy and the Green Goblin, and the Green the, the Green Go- Goblin drops her, and they just killed her father. Um, so it it was in a series called the Death of Captain Sp- Stacy that was like three four issues long, and so they mm-hmm. they knew it was coming, and they telegraphed it three issues ahead that Captain Stacy was dying, and then almost immediately after, suddenly Green Goblin has Gwen and drops her, and Spider Man like 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 saves the people and tries to save her just like the Andrew Garfield version. Um, and it snaps her neck and she dies. And that motivates him like forever. That's like the second yeah. biggest motivator to him after Uncle Ben um, is what happened to Gwen Stacy. So the fact that you've taken the original fridging, the original fridged mm-hmm. character, and instead of instead of that, now I like I guess now that Daredevil is done, we can, you know, they, they do it to everyone, guys. Like in, in Daredevil, mm-hmm. they do it to Karen Page. Um, and I'm so I'm kind of glad that the Daredevil series stopped before they did that because I didn't want them to do that to Karen Page in the show. Yeah, I think it, um, it would be a tremendous mistake if they did that to Karen Page in the show. Because yeah, because they so, made Karen so, Page way more of a character than the original Karen Page was. Yeah, so the fact that you've taken the original fridged character and you've turned her into multiple heroes, oh, that's good. That's yeah. just great to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm realizing um, it's sort of where. As is frequently the case with this, we're we're not so much talking about specific moments in the movie with this one and more about just like the thoughts that this movie has engendered in us, which, you know, is kind of the indication of a good film. So, um, well, here, let's uh, let's let's course correct then, Arthur, and talk about even if none of this existed, we talked about the cultural impact and the importance that it has in terms of inclusion of unfridging a character of bringing people of color onto the big screen. Let's say it didn't do any of that. Let's say none of that happened in this film. Guess what? This would still be one of the greatest comic book movies I've ever seen. Um, back when Let's- the when Ang Lee's Hulk came out, he tried very hard to create a comic book up on screen. And largely that's considered, um, we'll do it one day, it's largely considered to be a failure. Um, mm-hmm. Even if nothing- A noble we just experiment about, though. Yeah. Even if nothing we talked about had happened in this film, this film would still probably for me be a, a, like a 4.5. I have yeah, this never seen- decidedly- it is the greatest love letter to comics. And we were talking about this with Unbreakable. There have been, in the past 20 years, a number of films that have been written as love, later, love, le, ah, love letters to comic books in general. This film is the best I've ever seen. Not just yeah. in how it handles the story, not just in how it incorporates, you know, like multiple issues of comic books in the story, but, oh, what they did with the animation. We, we need to talk about the animation and how bold and stunning it is it is very yeah, rare I have a, like most I have a of the time when i see an animated out there. film oh yeah, yeah i was gonna say i have a message for the people out there who 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 you know are listening to our podcast and who who may not be like superhero film fans and wondering whether or not it's a good film my message is why are you listening to a superhero podcast no um <laughs> even if you weren't a fan this is this film is groundbreaking it's groundbreaking um I've never seen anything like it. How often can you say that about a movie? I've never yeah. seen those words. I've never seen anything like it. So most of the time up until 
uh, a, a few years ago, like most animated films you would see, you got the sense of, oh, this was animated because they did not have the budget to do, they did not have the special effects budget to do the story justice in real life. Like, so the only way to do it is, is with animation. Um, and that was a perfectly acceptable thing. Um, it is very rare. And this film is one of those instances where I'm watching it and I'm literally thinking, even with CGI, you could not make this film in real life. Like, this movie had to be animated, not because they didn't have any other option, but because this is literally the only way you could do this film. Um, what they And one of the ways they really did it was just embracing that sense of the comic book. I mean, more so than any other film I've ever seen, you were watching a comic book come to life. Uh, when is- Within the first five minutes, when Miles Morales is sitting at his desk and he takes his pen and he taps it against his neck, making a little tick, tick, tick sound. And the little sound lines indicating that sound is being made suddenly appear on the screen. I realized, oh, I'm in for something wholly different than I've seen before. His thoughts come up in narration boxes. And then he comments on the fact that his thoughts come up in narration boxes. Yeah. Um, uh, the, if there's a live action film, I would equate this to, it would be Scott Pilgrim versus the world, a film we have to talk about. Um, yes, very but this true. is this is more Scott Pilgrim than Scott Pilgrim. There are close-ups on on Miles Morales and, and on different characters where the edges of their face have like the little dots that 1980s comics used to mm-hmm. have with the coloring when they could only use like like dots to 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 create the sense of different shades of color. Uh, this yeah. is I'm. I have never, as a comic book fan and just as a fan of film, just letting this wash over you. If this film had no plot, I mean, I wouldn't do an hour and a half of it. But this is this belongs up mm-hmm. with Fantasia, in terms of just it like, really does here. Oh, especially the final Here's, battle with Kingpin, where like all the multiverses are colliding, unbelievable. Um, there's 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 so much to see, guys. There's there's between the different the uses of panels when he's falling and they do three different panels of the same uh, of the same shot of 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 just the you're you're right the end is is Andy Warhol wrapped up in MC Escher it's it's yeah art. oh what a great it's way art. of putting it why the hell is this Sony cash grab and that's what this is guys this is Sony hanging on to the rights for Spider-Man this this all mm-hmm. this is is Sony's like hey we got to put out a Spider-Man movie that we don't that Marvel's not putting out because Marvel made most of the money from from yeah. or at least half the money from Homecoming and we need to establish our own Spider-Man stuff where Marvel's not involved. That's what Venom yeah, was. In a, in a world is. where where cash grabs more frequently result in Fantastic Four films, how yeah. is it that yeah? This is someone said okay, and who is it? Well, this is Lord and Miller, right? This is, these are the guys who made the Lego Movie and who are unceremoniously fired from Solo. We talked about them when we reviewed Solo. When oh, that they were fired after right. making most of Solo, and and Ron Howard took over for them, uh, they were working on this at the same time, and this became their major focus after Solo. And it looked like this was going to be the step down, um, like mm-hmm. uh, like those guys. Those guys went from working on Solo to a, an animated to a Spider-Man, Spider-Man animated not, film. Yeah, it's not a, even an animated made by Spider-Man Marvel. movie, not in the MCU. Like this sounded like the worst thing. What a step down. And instead they took this thing that should have been nothing. And just like the Lego movie, they created like, cause Lego movie was also something I'd never seen before. They've made mm-hmm. like, they made art. I, I, 
I can't I can't even I, I, I can't even explain to you how how astounding the visuals are in this yeah. film if you haven't seen it, which we told you not to. I mean, you know what we're saying. We're not saying anything. We're not mm-hmm. adding anything to your experience because you've seen it. We're just kind of. I mean, we're sometimes we got it like with Unbreakable. Like we have to like bring you back to a movie twenty years ago. If you just saw this, we're celebrating together, guys. Like we're we're yeah. this is a party. This is an a, a celebration of all of us. Pull up a drink, man, because this is what a, a a lovely experience, Arthur. What a lovely experience. Yeah. Let me throw out, uh, since we're just talking now, I, I feel like we're just bouncing through this, which is fine with this one. I want to throw a couple shout outs to just things in the film I thought were cool. Um, yeah. First and foremost, I loved the I loved what they did with Aunt May. Again, talk about taking a character who is traditionally just somebody who is acted upon and then giving her agency in her own right. I mean, if, you know, if the um, Spider-Man Homecoming focused on making Aunt May hot. This film made Aunt May cool. Yeah, uh, she's Alfred, which right? I loved. Yeah, and also little to throw in, I loved the fact that uh, when Doctor Octavia uh, Octavius reveals herself, which was a great reveal, and they're just like, "Oh, I guess people call you Doc Ock," and she says, "Well, no, my like, guys, your friends call you Doc Ock." She's like, "No, my friends call me Liv. My enemies call me Doc Ock." Um, and then when she shows up at Parker's house, and Aunt May is like, "Oh, great, it's Liv," which immediately indicates just like. They, there's a friendship there. There's like something going on there. The fact that Aunt May knows her, not as Doc Ock, but as Liv. Um, I just loved that. That was a, a sweet little, little twist. Um, All right. So if you're going to throw loved, out. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, if you're going to throw out shout outs, I would like to throw out a shout out. Maybe we can bounce back and forth between. Um, because I want to throw out a, sh- a shout out to the relationship between uh, Miles and his father. Uh, as a guy yes. who took his son to see this um first oh, of all yeah what a perspective um i haven't read the comic book is his father his actual father in the comics or is that his stepfather or something i don't know i've ever i've never actually read the miles morales comics i'm i'm going um, to clearly his, now but. His, his father's name is first what what a flex by by bendis creating this his father's name is jefferson davis now for those of you who don't know your history <laughs> Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederate States of America during the Civil War. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. But his father's last his 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 father's last name is not Morales. Um, Now, I know plenty of of times wife's name. Yeah. So did the son just take the mom's name and not the dad's name? The the. You know, is this his stepfather? But it's a, it's a, it's a mixed family, a broken family, and um, and and as a as a facet of it being a a, a mixed a, a mixed broken family, um, he just treats him like his son. Um, I don't know what the deal is on that, and I haven't really taken the time um to look it up, and I'm sorry that I didn't do that. Um, but the their their relationship is so beautiful as is the relationship with his uncle um a spider-man's got to have a dead uncle guys um and in this yeah. case um it's the prowler who a character who's been around forever in the regular spider-man universe um and who has actually appeared as a much less uh can we talk a, a little bit for a second about uh and now i can't remember the the actor's name uh so give me one second uh lando calrissian uh, was played by anyone help oh, me Donald Glover? in the new 
Well, yeah, Donald Glover. Donald Glover, um, yeah. They there was there were rumors years ago that they might make a Miles Morales mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie. And when they were rebooting the Andrew Garfield and they said, Hey, we're rebooting Spider-Man, uh, Donald Glover got wind that this might happen and went out and recorded oh, you can find it on YouTube all this video of him doing flips and doing all these things when he you know, when he was younger and he's like, I could be Peter or I could be Miles, I could be whoever you want. Let me be in let let me be Spider Man. I want to be Spider Man, I want to be Spider Man and and nothing ever, nothing ever happened uh, with that. Um, he was on Community, and there was uh, a moment on Community where he wears a Miles Morales uh, costume. Um, mm-hmm. He appears in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming as uh, as this character, as um, as Miles's uh, uncle. Um, the whose oh, name is uh, Aaron Davis. He is. Uh, he is in Spider-Man: Homecoming. He is uh, one of the people working for Michael Keaton, and he's the one that Peter Parker like like traps and talks. And he and and he was like dealing like guns and stuff. And he says to uh, he says to Peter, "I have a nephew there," and who he's talking about mm-hmm. is Miles Morales. So there's a world yeah. where this character exists with a nephew in the Mar- in the MCU in proper. The MCU. And it's it's you know it's great for me as we're talking about Miles Morales. I feel like we have to talk about Donald Glover real quick because because he wanted it so much, and it makes me so happy that he gets to at the very least be this character. But in this movie, it's uh, he's played by uh, Marshall Ali, um, who we just saw in season one of Luke Cage as the bad guy, um, and oh, yeah. who just won, of course, also just won a, an Oscar in the 89th Academy mm-hmm. Awards. Uh, so yeah, so this is. Like, it's such a pedigree for this character, and the relationship is lovely. And the moment where you think he's going to kill uh, Miles is is stunningly dark, and then his death is is painful. I just love the family dynamics here um, that mm-hmm. are unique uh, again to what we've seen in Spider Man universe. So I have to throw it out for that. Okay, your turn. What do you want to throw out, my friend? Uh, okay. Well, actually, you know what? I will throw out um, one thing that bugged me, or that is still like a little a splinter in my mind, if you will. It's it seems like a plot inconsistency. Uh, maybe you can help me with this. So Gwen Stacy, or Gwanda, as she introduced herself to Miles, which I loved. Um, she also basically her storyline was, oh yeah, I was pulled from the multiverse, wound up here, didn't know what was going on, but knew that it had to do with Miles somehow. So that's why I started going to that school, but. Miles meets Gwen like noticeably days before uh, before the collider, uh, before Peter gets caught in the collider, pulling all the other guys over. So I'm just like, now, if, like you can totally headcanon that as a, well, you know, the multiverse, I mean, they, the multiverse pulled someone from a thousand years in the future. So there's no reason why she couldn't have been pulled from the multiverse, but then, you know, landed a few and landed in our like in the past of this current reality like there's i mean whenever you use multiverses and time travel you can headcanon everything it just struck me as kind of weird that oh wait everyone else just showed up but you've been here for a while even though the thing that no, just had everybody well, show up just well you still the problem still exists no uh, some people have been there for a while when when miles goes down and talks to aunt may and peter goes down peter b parker goes down and talk to aunt may she goes yeah um you're not the first people to arrive the other people have been there mm-hmm. for a little while um they've so yeah. people have, have been there for a you know, certain amount of time that still doesn't explain why she would be at that school because there was mm-hmm. no there was no um 
there was no Spider-Man yet to go to that school for. Maybe she had a sense yeah. that something was going to happen at that school. Maybe she felt drawn mm-hmm. to it. I don't know. That's uh that's, Yeah, and then uh, also it's sort of the they, they could have again they could have made it done a slightly better job of explaining that the event with the collider didn't it it had an effect temporally as well that people arrived days in the past not just at the same moment. Um Yeah. But you know, um, so again a plot hole but 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 small. Um, I will give a, whoops, I dropped a, an important thing. I will give a, uh, I, I will give a shout out to Nicolas Cage. Uh, uh, not just because some people have, have said to me that I look like him, uh, but as Spider-Noir. Um, uh, mm-hmm. this is such oh, a fun character. Great. And every line that he says is just funny. I don't know what this is, mm-hmm. but I'm going to find out. It's just amazing. <laughs> It's such a good joke. Um, and John Mulaney is Peter Parker. Um, John Mulaney, who yeah. I love. And as soon as I knew that was him, he does that character. Like, if you've never seen his comedy, he kind of does his comedy in this weird stand-up voice, which can't really be the way he talks. Um, uh, he is is perfect. So I want to I wanna give him that. Um, okay, your turn. What do you want to call out? Do you have anything else? You, re- you mentioned Stan Lee earlier. Um, sorry, I mentioned who? Stan Lee in your in your in your plot. Oh, Stan Lee. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, this was the this may be the this may be the last Stan Lee cameo that we get. Uh, One of the I hear that I hear that there are going to be a few more that he has filmed. But certainly I feel like this is the most meaningful one, maybe the most meaningful one he's ever done. And also, I forget. So I forget exactly what line of dialogue he had. In this one, but in so many of Stanley's cameos, it's always he just throws in something funny. Um, in this one, he actually said something kind of inspirational to Miles, which I loved. And it is important to note that the film ends with a quote from Stan Lee that they show, um, which is, is which was something along the lines of anybody who sees what needs to be done, who knows what is the right thing to do and steps up to do it. They are a superhero. And all right, so this ties into, um, you know, if I'm going into talking about maybe the theme of the film, a few days before seeing this film, I learned of a term, a literary term called hope punk, which is a new term uh, basically describing a lot of the stories that are coming out nowadays, which essentially talk about taking optim, weaponizing optimism. It is a hope punk. It can take a lot of different forms, but it is essentially it is a relentless dedication to fighting for the good, for continuing to have faith even in the darkest moments. And it is frequently uh, it, when it was when it was going through certain tenets of what is hope punk. One of the big things was um, we do this together, uh, and we do it without sacrificing our humanity. Hope punk is not about the ends justify the means. And hope punk is also not often about like lone wolf stuff. It's about, um, it is about, uh, you know, people banding together to, to accomplish a common goal. Um, and this film, which I then saw, seeing that literary genre, learning of that was actually a big thing for me because, uh, that is, for so much of my life, that's how I've lived is, you know, you know, adopt a state of hope, adopt a state of love for your fellow human beings, even in times when they don't 
when even in times when it's really clear they don't deserve it. Um, you know, the, the Mr. Rogers approach uh, to things, um, even if that's not necessarily, even if you don't have faith that that's going to really change anything. It's the, what was said in angels that if nothing that you do matters, then all that matters is what you do. Um, hope punk specific that this article specifically even referenced angel as an example of hope punk. Um, that learning that there were enough other people out there, even in today's dark times that thought that way, revitalized me and re-encouraged me to think about that. And then three days later, I go out and I see this film, which at the end makes it very clear, uh, has a very, very hope punk message of good people coming together, um, believing, striving, continuing to fight, and then ending with that Stan Lee uh, quote, which essentially sums up in many ways, the whole reason why superhero comics were created. We didn't just want to see people doing amazing things. We wanted to see people doing amazing things for the good of their fellow human beings. Um, and I loved that at the end, for as new and wild and artistic as this film is, at its core, it goes back to that original, very simple message. All right, that wasn't so much of a shout out, I guess. That was more yeah, of a well, I can tell you what he said. What Stanley said to Miles, and it goes along with the message of the film. He goes, "It doesn't fit," and Miles and Stanley goes, "It always fits eventually." Oh um, yeah, yeah. The the poetry of that, and then the end of the film, um, the idea that we could all be Spider Man is that's the whole point mm -hmm. of the film. Yes, we could all be Spider Man. All we have to do is is you know is stand up and do it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a message that you know in the pomp and circumstance. And you're right. It, like I said, I would give this movie four point five if it had no point because of how visually wonderful it is. If this film was mm -hmm. shot like a sitcom, but had the points and made the points that it did, I would additionally give it a four point five. I wish I could give this film a nine. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like it, it, it gives you so much to chew on philosophically um, where inclusion stops being about making sure that excluded people are included. Um, the film takes the next step beyond that. It does that well and takes the next step beyond that where it says, Hey, you viewer, you personally, yeah, you watching this, you are included too. This is you. Mm -hmm. You are Spider-Man. You are Spider-Man. You're a hero. You can be a hero. All you have to do is go out and do the right thing. Um, you know, yeah. it's it's phenomenal. Let me let me just give numbers real quick, and then we'll get to the end because there's. I mean, we could talk about this all day long. Um, right. It's worth I noting would, in re in reference to our uh, in reference to previous movies that we have reviewed. This movie does a so much better job about talking about the whole anybody can be a superhero than Kickass did. So much yes. better. Yes. Oh, but yeah. It, absolutely it does it with with so much heart it does it so well i could take 20 minutes and talk about structure in this film mm -hmm. um uh my favorite moment in the film is when miles morales uh does the sweep kick on peter parker the exact same moves, move that peter parker used on him um mm -hmm. and how he puts his hand on kingpin's shoulder and says hey oh and, circular and, storytelling at its best yeah and 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 just calling out the usb drive as the goober as like just mm -hmm. it's 
it's there's so much structure. I mean, there, this we could go on. Um, let me tell you, what this film did. Uh, the film was made for ninety million dollars. That's nothing, guys. That's that's an expensive rom com in terms of cost. <laughs> uh, that's if you compare that to, you know, Frozen. You know, it's, it's like it's less than half is is what this movie cost to make. It cost ninety million is a lot of money in in the real world, but in the film world, that is less than a hundred million dollars for a, a Marvel film is unheard of. It's incredibly unheard of. It's box office, $224 million worldwide. Now, that's not a ton. Keep in mind, the, 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 they make less from the worldwide box office uh, than, they, than they would. If we were to talk act, about actual box office, and the United States has only made $114 million, and a lot of that is going to come from, uh, a lot of that is going to go back to theater owners. So this movie is going to, it looks like it's going to break even. It's not going to make a ton of money, but films like this, I guarantee this film gets a sequel because if you look at films like this, um, this is a film that's going to grow. Word of mouth is going to exist. People are going to buy this movie. Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy this movie. People are going to pay to have it. And you're going to have a generation of kids like my son, who's seven, who are going to watch this movie on repeat forever. Um, Mm -hmm. This film is going to, in the long term, be the shot in the arm that maybe Sony needs to continue doing Spider-Man properties on its own. Um, I would not take its its I don't want to say mediocre box office, but I would not take its sort of even like its its medium to low box office to mean that it's in any way a failure. This film is going to live for a very very long yeah. time, and it's going to this is this is going to have a princess this is going to have a princess bride lifespan. Yeah, no, it's going to be I you know I I actually call it I think this film is an Austin Powers. And what I mean by that is that if you look at Austin Powers 2, it made five times what the original Austin Powers made because of the story. And Austin Powers didn't do that well in theaters. People discovered it. People are going to discover Mm -hmm. this film. When they make the next Spider-Verse movie, mark my words, it will double. It will double. It's uh, especially if it's quality, if they say it's the same level of quality, it's going to double its box office when the next Spider-Verse movie comes out. This is... um, I, th- this is going to be an unqualified financial success. Um, it is an artistic success in the in the highest uh, in the highest rankings. We already know that we've given it a five. Uh, do you have anything to add to why it's a five? Um, what pushes you from a four point five to a five, or do you feel like you've said everything that you need to say? Well, I'll just reiterate that for a film to be a five for me is it needs to not just be an incredibly enjoyable and like well made film. Well. Really, there's three criteria. It needs to be enjoyable. It needs to have uh, some element of artistry in it. Um, And that is a very vague, amorphous term, of course. Um, And it also needs to be important in the history of superhero films. Um, Last one that got a five for me was Infinity War, which I'll still hold by just out of its... I've seen it three times, enjoyed it the whole time through. and so important in that something like that had never been done before. Um, this gets a five for me for the same reasons in that it's enjoyable um, and it, it's ambitious. But really, it's just I'm watching it and I'm thinking, I've never seen this before. And I wish I could be more specific than that. But it's uh, hopefully it is it might be the the herald of the next gener of you know, the new generation of superhero storytelling. Um, I've said it before. It's, it, this should be a nine. Um, this is a 4.5. If the story sucked, but it looked like it did, I'd, I'd probably still give it a four for just blowing my socks off visually. Yeah. If the, if the visuals 
were just wrote, but the story was what it was, I would be, I, I, I would give it a four just for structure, just for the, the, the amazing structure and the humor of the story. If those two, if the animation and the story were just like kind of okay, but it was doing culturally, it was, it was reversing fridging. It was, it was including, it was including excluded groups. It was, uh, it, it was revamping characters. I, again, I'd give it another four. This movie deserves a 12, uh, for those reasons alone, uh, getting to a five is not that hard. It's not, it may be not, Maybe, I mean, it won't end up being my favorite superhero movie. Um, but look, Schindler's List is not my favorite movie, but I recognize it's one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's it's up there. It will get rewatch value. I'll still probably watch, you know, Avengers more than this. Um, well, let me throw but, this back uh, at you, because I remember let me, with Infinity War, you eventually downgraded to a 4.5 or 4.75 with that one because, and you said it was... What you you said it was the equivalent of a Las Vegas buffet, whereas you were just given everything that you wanted, but just in such massive quantities that there wasn't much sense of proportion or it was just like, uh, you know, the Las Vegas buffets are the best buffets in the world, but they are nothing compared to a five course dinner at like a top um, at a top notch restaurant. Um, this is the five course dinner you were talking about. This, this is the five course dinner I was talking about. It's not going to get as much rewatchability because I've seen Infinity War like five times and I can put it on in the background and watch it while I'm doing other things. I don't think I'll ever be able to do that with this movie. I'm going to, I think that if I, I'll put it on one day and I'm going to be like interested in cleaning my room and an hour and a half later, I'm going to sit there in a messy room. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, that's how it's going <laughs> to be. Let me, let me throw some stuff out that keep in mind. Cash grab Sony. This is a movie called Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I think it would have had a better name if they had known how great it was going to be because mm-hmm. even the name sells it as a as a as a bad cash grab it sounds like you know like like one of the direct video dc films it doesn't sound like great let me tell you what this yeah, cash it, it sounds it makes it sound like a, a film that was made exclusively for the fans here we go uh new york films critics Cir- circle it got best animated feature washington dc film critics Best Animated Feature nominated. Uh, Chicago Film Critics won Best Animated Feature. Here are other ones. San San Francisco Film Critics. Los Angeles Film Critics. San Diego Film Critics was a runner-up. African American Film Critics won Best Feature. St. Louis uh, Critics, Best best Animated Feature. Houston Film Critics, Best Animated Feature. Phoenix uh, Critics Circle, Best Animated Feature. Seattle, uh, Best Animated Feature. Hey, the Utah Film Critics, Best Picture. Um... Uh, Oklahoma Film Critics, Top 10 Film of the Year. Uh, Online Film Critics, Animated Feature. Uh, Golden Globes, it's pending. It's already nominated for uh, for uh, Best Animated Film. Um, it's pending for Best Animated Film, Best Animated Feature, Best Animated Female, Best Animated Feature. The Annie Awards, it's nominated for Best Animated. I mean, it is like across the board, the a movie called Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse should not have all this. This is special, mm-hmm. guys. This is special. Um, it's you've not seen anything like it, and uh, if you just kind of liked it, see it again uh, after hearing what we had to say, because this is good. Goodness gracious, it made us break in the middle of our thing that we were doing because we had to do this. We weren't planning this day. This is an extra day. Um, that's you know that's what it meant to us. We had to talk to you about it because this is astounding. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add except like crack one open, uh, Sony Marvel? You did it. <laughs> Yeah, well done. Well done. 
All right. Um, back to uh, the world of uh, of M Night Shyamalan as we uh, do our first horror film with Split uh, coming up very very soon. Um, but for now, my name is Justin, and my name is Arthur. And hey there, true believers. Stay super. One last reminder before you go to go to getcancelled.com. That's getcancelled.com to help us make cancellation the motion picture. Look at the rewards there. Look for opportunities to hear your voice and your message heard on Totally Super and Trek Off. Please help us make cancellation the motion picture by going to getcancelled.com or looking up cancellation on Kickstarter. 